Our second scripture reading this morning is a very short one. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 9. Let us listen for and hear God's holy word. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May your good news come, O Lord, not only in the words spoken, but in and through the power of your Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Amen. The place to start, Frederick Beekner says, is with a woman laughing. She's an old woman, and after a lifetime in the desert, her face is cracked and rutted like a six-month drought. She hunches her shoulders around her ears and starts to shake. She squinnies her eyes shut, and her laughter is all teeth and wheeze and tears running down as she rocks back and forth in her kitchen chair. She's laughing because she's pushing 91 hard and has just been told she's going to have a baby. Even though it was an angel that told her she can't control herself, and her husband can't control himself either. He keeps a straight face for a few seconds longer than she does, but he ends up cracking up too. Her, the woman's name is Sarah, of course, and the old man's name is Abraham. And they're laughing at the idea of a baby being born in the geriatric ward with Medicare picking up the tab. <laughs> they're laughing because the angel not only seems to believe it, but seems to expect them to believe it too. They're laughing because with part of themselves, they do believe it. They're laughing because with another part of themselves, they know it would be foolish to believe it. They're laughing because laughing is better than crying and maybe not all that different. They'd had quite a life, the old pair. Years before, they had gotten off to a good start in Mesopotamia. They had a nice house in the suburbs with a two-car garage and a color TV and a barbecue pit. They had a room all filled up, with, filled up for when the babies started coming. With their health and each other and their families behind them, they had what was known as a future. Sarah got her clothes at a high-end shop. She did volunteer work at the hospital and was a member of the League of Women Voters. Abraham was pulling down an excellent salary for a young man, plus all the fringe benefits and a generous retirement plan. But then religion got them, or they got religion, and Abraham was convinced that what God wanted them to do was to pull up stakes and head out for Canaan, where God had promised to make Abraham the father of a great nation, which would in turn be a blessing to all nations. So that's what they did, and that's where their troubles started. And that's where our story this morning begins. Abraham and Sarah put the house on the market, gave away the color TV to the hospital, and got a good price for the crib and the bassinet because they had never been used and were in like new condition. Abraham wrote an eloquent letter of resignation to the president of the company, and received an equally eloquent one in reply, assuring him that there would always be a job waiting for him if he ever changed his mind and came back. Actually, the first draft of the letter read, if he ever regained his senses and came back 
Because although the president of the company thought religion was a good thing like social security and regular exercise, he didn't think it was something to go overboard about like Abraham had. But in the final draft, the president settled for the milder wording. So off Abraham and Sarah went in the station wagon with a U-Haul behind and a handful of friends and relations who, if they didn't share Abraham's religious convictions, decided to hitch their wagon to his star anyway. That's the place to start. God says to Abraham, go. And Abraham and Sarah pull up stakes and head off for God only knows where to a place they, they've never been, to a place God has in mind, to something that God has in mind. Jesus says, follow. And Matthew gets up, walks away from the tax booth, throws away his financial security, for God only knows what sort of life, what sort of future. Go, the voice says. Go or come or follow and you step out of the door without even looking over your shoulder and start following the way that you've chosen. Not this way or that way, but the way right here. Of all the 10 million and one ways in the world, you chose this way. It was that simple, at least as the Bible tells the stories. It was that simple for Abraham, and it was that simple for Matthew, and it was that simple for countless others. God called, and they went. In this sometimes overly analytic age in which we live, we desperately want to attach some psychological motive to those sorts of decisions. We want to believe that Matthew was waging an internal ethical struggle about his occupation. Or that Abraham was wrestling with the ghosts of the relationship with his father. Or had some issues to work out about his own identity. But the Bible doesn't give us any of that. The Bible says, go. The Bible says, follow. These are call narratives stripped bare. As far as the Bible's concerned, all that matters is that God sends and Abraham goes, that Jesus calls and Matthew follows. What's at stake here for Abraham and Sarah and Matthew and every single one of us is the issue of calling. The fancy theological term is vocation. And we talk about a person's vocation as that which he or she has been summoned by God to spend a lifetime doing. Or as Beekner puts it, vocation is the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. One of the things that I've come to admire about church-related colleges, and Maribel College in particular, is the recent trend in the last couple of decades of intentionally holding faith and learning together to help students explore their gifts and passions in relation to possible vocations. This is actually what Diana's first job was out of grad school when she worked at Maryville College. This is not an attempt by these schools to turn out dozens of ministers annually or to send numerous workers into the mission field, although no one complains if that's what happens. Instead, it's meant to invite all students to consider their lives within the context of vocation, 
a calling perhaps even from God to be a teacher or a business person or a scientist or a parent. Who will I be? Where will I go? How will I invest my life? You know that young adults do a lot of wrestling with those sorts of questions, and often that wrestling produces some startling decisions. One college chaplain tells the story of a young woman named Anna who was a graduate student at the university where he served. She was about to complete her second year in pharmacy school and had been selected for several prestigious internships and scholarships and awards. One Sunday evening, the chaplain got a call from Anna's father. He was calling to tell the chaplain that Anna had just informed her parents that she had decided to drop out of, out of graduate school. Really, the chaplain said? What on earth led her to do a thing like that? Well, we don't know, the father said. But we know that Anna has a great deal of respect for you. She really listens to what you say. We thought maybe you could call her and talk some sense into her. So the chaplain did just that. He reminded Anna of all her hard work and her achievements and suggested that she should think carefully before throwing all of it away. How in the world did you come to this decision, he finally asked her. She said, well, it was your sermon this morning. It got me thinking. You said God has something important for each of us to do. I thought to myself, I'm not here because I want to serve God. I'm here to get a job, to make money, to look out for myself. Then I remembered the summer I spent working with the church literacy program with kids of migrant workers. I really think God, I was serving God then. I decided after your sermon to go back there and to use my life to help those kids. The chaplain was silent for a moment. Finally, he said, now listen, Anna, I was just preaching. <laughs> just preaching. Just words. Go. Come. Follow. Serve. The world tempts us to make life choices based on attractive financial returns or some hoped-for personal gain. Most people today want to get through life with a high salary, with job security, with as little risk as possible. But the stories of Abraham and Sarah and Matthew suggest something very, very different. Go, the voice says. Go or come or follow. Risk. The voice almost never says, sit tight, or stay still, or keep the status quo. Following Jesus is about God's call and our response. It's, a, it's about drastic changes of direction and radical transformations of commitment. Disciples are those who risk a break with what's familiar in order to follow Jesus. And maybe that's why these stories are so important for us to hear. Like Abraham and Matthew, God has a word for us too. In fact, the same words, go, come, follow. Just like Abraham and Matthew, we're called to live lives of faithfulness and purpose, to serve God and God's people wherever we are. 
God, call, God calls the Abrahams and the Sarahs and the Matthews and the Annas and the Bills and the Rachels, but God calls whole communities as well. And I think it's important for us to hear those stories because I believe God is calling us as a congregation, calling us to go someplace new, to pack up the church bus and drive out of what's familiar and safe into a place to which God will send us, to walk away from the security of what we've known into an unknown but promise-filled future. We live in a world that is as unlike Abraham's as it's, impo- as it's possible to imagine. Yet, we're just like Abraham and Sarah in one important way. We have no idea what lies ahead. But we're also like Abraham and Sarah in this. We trust in a God who calls us to follow, who goes before us, and who promises to always be with us. To Abraham, the voice said, go. To Matthew, the voice said, follow. And for each of us, the voice will sound different. But the question is always the same. Will we listen? Will we answer with our lives? Amen.